actually. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna take your call just after NPR. So we're gonna answer. Just hang tight, um, and we'll see you after NPR. Um, Mabili, let's just let this jazz roll right. and and answer these calls here. But we're not we're not gonna uh, we'll, we'll answer the calls as in talk to them after the NPR break. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And you are tuned to the Sunday Forum here on WMNF Tampa on Orthodox Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday. NPR News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. China is engaged in a second day of military drills around Taiwan. Officials from Taiwan report the Chinese military is conducting simulated precision strikes against the independently ruled island. NPR's James Jones has more. China has sent dozens of warplanes towards Taiwan for a second day of military drills. It's using the show of force in the Taiwan Straits to register its disapproval of meetings that Taiwan's president had in California with American lawmakers, including House Speaker Kevin. McCarthy. Those meetings follow a visit by a bipartisan congressional delegation to Taiwan. Taiwan's defense ministry reports 58 Chinese aircraft, including fighter jets, crossed into Taiwan's self-declared air defense identification zone Sunday morning. It appears China has not fired any missiles into the waters near Taiwan as it did last year, when then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taipei in August. James Jones, NPR News. The Justice Department says it's investigating how secret military documents on the war in Ukraine made their way onto multiple social media sites. As NPR's Greg Myrie reports, the Pentagon is already looking into the leak. Dozens of classified U.S. documents on the Ukraine war have cropped up in the past few days on sites that include Twitter, Telegram, and 4chan. Many appear part of a slide display of maps and charts that are produced daily for Pentagon leaders. The papers do not reveal Ukrainian battle plans for a widely expected offensive this spring. However, they do provide details on combat brigades that Ukraine is assembling and when they should be ready to fight. NPR's Greg Myrie and the Middle East militants in Syria fired rockets toward Israel in a rare attack from Israel's northern neighbor. Israel bombed Syrian military targets in response. This as tensions and violence in the region continue. The situation there was noted in Vatican City today where tens of thousands attended Easter Mass celebrated by Pope Francis followed shortly thereafter by the Pope's Orbi at Orbi address to the city and the world. Speaking from his balcony, the Pope focused on global strife and the traditional Easter blessing Pope Francis called on the international community to strive to end conflicts in Ukraine, Syria, and elsewhere. He is heard here through a BBC interpreter. On this day, Lord, we entrust to you the city of Jerusalem. I express deep concern for the attacks of these last few days that threaten the climate of trust and mutual respect necessary to resume dialogue between Israelis and Palestinians so that peace may reign in the holy city and throughout the region. You're listening to NPR News in Washington. The last surviving prosecutor from the Nuremberg trials has died. Benjamin Ferenz was 103. NPR's Marie Andrusevich has details. Ferenz was a Harvard Law graduate and U.S. Army sergeant when he was recruited for a group tasked with investigating Nazi war crimes. The Germany-based team gathered evidence from concentration camps and interviewed survivors. An assignment Ferenz said left him indelibly traumatized. After the war, he returned to New York to practice law, but because of his prior experience, he was recruited to prosecute war criminals at the Nuremberg trials. At the age of 27, Ferenz became chief prosecutor for a case in which he secured the convictions of 22 Nazi officers. The U.S. Holocaust Museum paid tribute to Ferenz on social media, saying the world lost a leader in the quest for justice. 
Marie Andrusovich, NPR News. A biodiversity win in India is presenting a social problem at the same time. Today, to great cheers, Prime Minister Narendra Modi announced that India's tiger population has steadily grown to over 3,000 amid decades of concern the species was dwindling. Project Tiger began 50 years ago in India and has been acclaimed globally for its efforts to protect nature both in India and around the world. India is acknowledged worldwide for its wildlife and in particular is home to several big cat species. But multiple indigenous groups allege they're being driven out of their ancestral lands to save the cats, and they want to say and how their land is used. I'm Louise Givoni, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Pew Charitable Trusts, telling stories behind data and trends that shape our world today through its podcast, After the Fact. Learn more at pewtrusts.org slash after the fact. This is NPR. Your news, your views, your values. This is WMNF Tampa, 88.5 FM. You can help WMNF now and into the future by donating gifts of stock, real estate, retirement assets, or a life insurance policy. It's easy to leave a legacy of love. Just call Ian at 813-238-8001 or go to WMNF.org slash giving to get started today. Hi, I'm Sean, and I hope you tune in to my interview show called Tuesday Cafe every Tuesday morning at 10 on 88.5 WMNF. I interview environmentalists, politicians, social justice activists, academics, and other experts about topics that impact you right here in the Tampa Bay area. I focus on issues that are important locally and across the whole state of Florida. The show is called Tuesday Cafe with Sean Canan. It's every Tuesday morning at 10 on 88.5 FM, WMNF Tampa, and on WMNF.org. Now you don't have to wait till 9 a.m. to hear Democracy Now! You can hear it every morning at 8 a.m. on our HD3 channel, The Source. You can hear it online at WMNF.org slash listen. That's Democracy Now! weekday mornings at 8 a.m. on WMNF's The Source and 9 a.m. on our main channel. And it's replayed on The Source at 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon. Sunday Forum, Walter L. Smith, the second, and Patro Mobili, that's me. This is Sunday Public Affairs, and we're celebrating a lot of things this month, including Poetry Month and uh, Poetic Earth Month, as well as Jazz Appreciation Month. And this is also Appomattox Day, which is the day that the South surrendered <laughs> in the Civil War in the United States. So that's something to celebrate as well. And this wasn't just a peace thing. It was a surrender. And so we are taking your telephone calls, 813-239-9663 here on the Sunday Forum. And uh, we're also taking your emails. And we're getting a lot of them, dj at wmf.org. Walter, it looks like we got an email from the Woodson African American Museum of Florida saying Happy Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Easter to you at the Carter G. Woodson Museum, a real jewel here in the Tampa Bay area. Thank you for all you do on that side of the bay and beyond. All right. We got a call. Let's go to the call. Call it? Uh, let's see. Yeah, looks like we do have a caller. All right. Uh, Good morning, brothers. Good morning. Good morning and peace and blessings to all, you know, on this uh, day of reflection. But I also would like to remind people again, Walter and Mabili, of the sacrifice of a young man at 39 years old that was assassinated on April the 4th. And what that did for the shaking of the consciousness of this nation 
to the lift that we see of the young brothers in Tennessee right now. You know, a lot of times, often we hear that the elders won't get out the way, but I don't think they ask the permission of anybody to stand up for justice. And so at my young prime age of 68, I don't plan on getting off my post, but I plan on always making room for those that want to stand up for justice. And I also would like to uh, salute uh, Brother uh, for the opening of the Freedom Library that is going to be under the watchful eye of Beulah Baptist Church and the Urban League and the NAACP. So peace and blessings to all. We know what we must do. Those that do not believe in the oppression of others need to ensure that they're on the right side of history. Thank you so yeah. much. Absolutely, I was wondering absolutely. if you could tell us more about the Freedom Library, and that's how apparently is the response to the banning of books here in Florida. Well, it was a wonderful uh, activity last uh, weekend. Uh, they had national teachers associations there that came uh, to Beulah Baptist with an agreement of ensuring that the library is going to be always um, uh, have enough books for the community to come in. Uh, the library is going to be open, I believe, daily uh, from uh, up until 3.30 in the afternoon. And so as they get ready to uh, lay out the whole arrangement of that library, uh, guess where it's centered at? In conjunction to what you're doing, Walter, I can see great things happening and building the, 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 not the educational uh, uplift of our children and understanding and making the connection of who we are, our culture, and our heritage. But I can see a still because it will remind our people of the ability to do for self when obstacles are in our way. So I'm quite sure, you know, uh, the, the ministers uh, out of Beulah and along with NAACP will be able to uh, give more light. But it was a well-attended event. It had books and books and books with the promise of more books to come out of the leadership of the um, national, Herb, I mean, the national NAACP. This is the first in the state of Florida to be followed by many, many more. Absolutely. That's, that, let me tell you, you know, there can never be enough. There can never be enough. We, can, we, we need as many as we can possibly have. Um, I know that our library, the Dr. Walter L. Smith Library, has books that are, known, that are, that are written by Malcolm X. Uh, they were written by Malcolm X that, that, that are not in circulation. Mm-hmm. Now, not that it was banned, just not in circulation. Um, and, and I'm not talking about the autobiography of Malcolm X. I mean, books that were written regarding black history that were written by him. Uh, there, there are poems and things like that, uh, po- books of poetry and history and things like that that, that we have that, uh, you know, we again, we want to make sure that people come by and come check it out. Uh, we need support as well, uh, as, as, you know, to, as, as anybody else does. But we want to encourage folks to come out to the Dr. Walter Smith Library, but we also want to come out to the other libraries as well. It is important for, for our kids to get a hold of that. So what Beulah Baptist is doing is outstanding. It is, it is, it is needed, well needed. Um, the Carter G. Woodson Library, needed. We need all of these libraries open. We need them. We need to, uh, support, full support. We are independent uh, on my end, we're, we're independent. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure that Beulah is, is independent, um, but you know we're privately owned. Uh, and then you have Carter G. Woodson, which I'm not sure about its you know it, its ownership and so forth. But I know that um, you know we all. What I do know is we all need the support, and we all need to be, and, and we are, we need to be open so that we can support our communities. Do not. Folks, let me tell you something. One of the biggest things that one of the, one of the things that people have to understand about these entities is that they are ours. They are ours, and we need to support them. 
110%. Bring your kids by. Okay? Bring your kids by. Make arrangements to go by if you have to do that. Whatever it is, you know, make make it known that you're supporting these organizations. Don't just sit up there and say, but we don't have any place to go. Listen, we have been we have been working over at our library to put together a black history uh black history lessons. As I'm sure there are other people that are putting together the same type of thing in direct opposition to what's being done uh, from the state capitol. Same thing with the band of books. We we have our, our band the book program. Read read the band book uh program that we're putting together right now. Uh you know, these are things that, that we're working on that that I know other people are working on too. And the point is, we need to be there to support each and every one of these programs because we need it. Our adults need it. Our kids need it. Uh, you know, across the board, we need it. Our communities need it. And so um, shout out to, to, to all of you that are, that are working on your respective projects. Let's work together and let's make things happen in our, in our own community. If they don't want to do, it, uh, do anything to support us, then we can support our dadgum selves. Well, you know, this whole book ban thing has really been, I've been thinking about it a lot because I'm wondering, is it a reaction on the part of the Christian right to start banning things out of school because, you know, they're still upset about banning under God from the <laughs> Pledge of Allegiance and banning prayer from the schools and ban. I'm wondering if they banned the Bible because the Bible has a lot of, Violence, including sexual violence, in it. In fact, there is one story that I found disturbing, to say the least. <laughs> in Judges, Judges, go read the Book of Judges. Yeah. In the very last chapter, chapter nineteen is horrendous. It it talks about uh, the possibility of a homosexual rape. It talks about the fact that. The the women have no power, and instead of the the <laughs> the person who was hosting the man that the men outside wanted to rape, he picked up he offered his own daughter Lot, the story of Lot. Well, that was part of yeah. it. This wasn't Lot, but this was a um, this was Lot like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he offered his own daughter, but then grabbed the man's concubine and threw her out there so she could be ravaged. All night and then she was on death's door, literally, when she, the next morning, and he let her die, you know. And, it, you know, when you think about it, you know, we picked up on some of those words in the Bible and some of the misogynistic behavior. And uh, I remember as I look back over my ancestry, I found that I had a great-grandmother that was listed as a concubine. So we continued wow. to use those same anti-women words throughout this country's history. So wow. Wow. I think it's, you know, did we ban, do we ban the Bible? Or is it all of this because the Christian right has been banned <laughs> out of schools? That's so. a good point, man. That's a very good point. And I, I think, uh, you know, I don't know what, you know, let me tell you something, man. Uh, as a Christian man, as a Christian man. Uh, I like to I like to believe that I'm I'm level headed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a there is a bad bad sense of Of, of of the of the use, better yet, let me put it that way. There's a bad use of biblical uh, uh, situations of the Bible in, in general, right? Uh, gosh, I mean, historically, there's just been this bad use of it, right? And you know, when we start talking about taking, my, my grandmother used to say. When you take when you take God out of school, right? Out of your out of your children, they're they're in school like all day, right? Uh, my grandmother used to used to be one who would say, you know, they're starting to take this thing out of take God out out of schools. Look at where our kids are headed, 
you know, and, and it was our it was our guidance, our our our, our grandmother's guidance or our grandparents' guidance that that led to um, a decent society, a decent community. And it was that guidance that that guidance that belief in God that that led to that, right? That was at the core of that whole thing. Um, with with integration. She used to always say, with integration, we lost that. We we lost it somewhere. And so now what's happening is uh, this idea that it's okay to take these things out. Um and, and, and I, I don't think it, I, don't, I don't think it's okay. I don't think it's okay. I mean, if if a kid, for instance, <sighs> This is a slippery slope, and, and and our society has made it a slippery slope. For for me to even say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it needs to be said. I am of the belief um, that it's okay to pray before your examination. I am I am of the belief that we need prayer badly. Oh God, do we need it badly? Because listen, man, what what our kids are worshiping is not good. The worship, what 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 they see, what they worship, and don't even realize they're worshiping, is uh, what they see on a on a zombie television, on a show of zombies. You get what I'm saying? The zombie apocalypse <laughs> seems to be, you know, and I, I can I can't even believe that I'm even saying this right now. But it's the truth. What I'm saying is true. It's not something I'm making up. It's like, how many stories can you possibly make up with with dead people? Well, apparently like, the zombie stories were supposed to be uh, really reflective of society in in, 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 in in a sort of a symbolic way. We are symbolic thinkers, if nothing else. Humans think in symbolic manner. And so I think that, that I remember one zombie story took place in a mall. <laughs> you know, which is, like a billion of them, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. That's the problem. But I think that what they do worship is influencers. Right, and right. That right. could be dangerous. That's dangerous, know? man. That's very dangerous. That's extremely dangerous, man. And and, and I, I uh, we, we have to watch what our kids, I mean, I, I'm not saying something that somebody hasn't already said, man. You know, what we have to watch is what our kids is, what, what our kids are, are are watching and, and 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 give them guidance, man. Like if you watch that on TV, right? You need to be able to say to your kids, "It's not real," mm-hmm. right? And 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 even with your point, with your point, you know, our society is dead. Like, what are we saying? We're not saying that you're actually dead. What we're saying is that you're not thinking for yourselves, right? Right. You're not thinking for yourselves. Our school systems are 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 teaching to a test. They're not teaching you to think. They're teaching you to a test, and there's something wrong with that. Well, and that could be true and may not be true. But I think that there are teachers who are committed to their to their uh, jobs and, and don't just teach to the test. They really try to help the child in many aspects of their life. Take a holistic approach. I mean, there are teachers who are coming that's, out of their yeah, pocket. Yeah, I mean, I'm know. a teacher. Right, so, 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 you so know. I know, I know, I know. I'm just making a very generic statement because this is what our society as a whole is going towards. Is, is this thing that is taking a life of this zeitgeist? It's taking a life of its own. Yeah. What are we doing, man? You know, it, it, I mean, but gosh. I think that it, it, you know, you bring your values to school. You don't go to school to learn values. I mean, and I think parents are, you know, giving up a whole lot of their job or what they're supposed to do and expecting the school to do it. And then there are those parents that say the school is doing too much. They don't want their kids to learn sex education. They don't want their kids to learn about racism and about the history of this country. And I think that, you know, that's dangerous. You know, so what are schools are supposed to do? What are they really supposed to do? And it's not just a simple matter of praying in school or letting a Bible in school because that causes problems. I mean, you know, there wouldn't be bullying, for instance, against LGBTQ if, 
you know, if it was just really about the Bible being taken out of school, sometimes oh, these no, things are learned of course from not. the pulpit. Of course not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you know, perpetuated. So I think that, you know, it's, it's there's a so many one. factors. There's so many factors. Uh, and yeah. I think I think everything you said is, is very valuable and extremely valid. Uh, no question about that. I just, you know, uh, we're, we're, in a, we're in a really tough spot. Yeah. We're in a tough spot. Um, it's no silver bullet to it for us. We're just making our observations, folks. Yeah, right. I just think that politically right now in this country, the, the right wing is in reactionary mode, and it's dangerous when they get like that. It is, it is. Hey, Denise Pate, how you doing? Glad got- to see you. And happy, happy birthday to you, Denise Pate. <laughs> yeah. You think I saw you? Uh, all right, let's. Go. I know you wanted to talk about bricks, but let's talk, we let's talk about it. Yeah, let's let's get the call in and let's talk about bricks after this call. Let's okay, go. caller, go ahead. You're on the Sunday forum. Good morning, thank you, Mabili and Brother Smith. Hey, good morning. How you doing, Fred Hearns? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How you doing, Brother Hearns? I'm doing fine, Walt. Uh, a couple of things, real quick. Uh, first of all, many people may not know that the reading room at the Robert W. Saunders Public Library is named for Walter L. Smith. <laughs> and, you know, for several years during COVID, when it was at its worst, that library was closed to the public. But it's back open now. I want to encourage people to come out on Saturday, May 6th, from 1 o'clock until 4 in the afternoon, there is a new organization, Black History Roundtable, that is going to be putting on a Tampa Emancipation Day celebration. We've heard about Juneteenth, and of course now it's a federal holiday, which celebrates primarily the liberation of enslaved folks in Galveston, Texas, and in that state. But locally, and this is the history that I really love because we really don't know very much about it, Uh, unless we study it. In Tampa, those who were enslaved were freed on May 6, 1864. Okay, a whole year before Juneteenth. So we had this celebration years ago. It kind of went away. We're bringing it back now. It's free, open to the public, and we're going to have a lot of excellent things going on, including a reading of the Emancipation Proclamation. Only takes about 15 minutes. You know, it's really not a very long document, Mm -hmm. as some people might think. But, uh, yes, you're right. There are efforts in Tampa now and all over the country uh, to do what we probably should have been doing all along. (laughs) You know, not just depending on the public school system, not just depending on USF and, you know, other... uh, institutions, but teaching black history, teaching our history in our churches, uh, in our schools, private schools, and everywhere we can. And that's something we should never, never, ever stop doing. So it's unfortunate that it's taken all these crazy things out of Tallahassee to wake us up. (laughs) But we are woke. Absolutely. And we need to stay woke. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Brother Hearns. And and, and listen, Thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, this man, let me tell you something, man. Fred Hearns uh, is one of, is is that not only my fraternity brother, but Fred Hearns, and I'm not saying it just because he's my fraternity brother. I'm saying this because this is who Fred Hearns is. Uh, my dad spoke very highly of Fred Hearns, right? Um, and... And gosh, he admired his work so much. Uh, the man who's responsible for really the the building of this new Middleton. Oh, okay. Right? Middleton High School. And the man who, after it was built, helped to put together and organize the Alumni Association. Right? A graduate himself, the man who helped with Blake. The man who helped to to establish the the rivalry, reestablish the rivalry between these the classic rivalry between the schools, uh, a, a very healthy rivalry that lasts to this day. 
you know, this is this is something that we gotta we, we gotta keep going. And if we if 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 it, it was not for Fred Hearns, then this would not be happening, mm-hmm. right? And he continues in that path. Um, he's also a fellow Africana Studies uh, graduate. Uh, you know, we both got our master's degree in Africana Studies from USF. And it's a very tight-knit group, a tightly-knit group that came out of there, uh, that, that we study these things and we push for the continuation of cultural studies, the very thing that this governor is trying to destroy. Fred Hearns, keep doing what you're doing. Yes. Keep doing what you are doing. You are doing a terrific job. We will always sing your praises. Thank you so much. And for all those who continue to do the same thing, if I don't know who you are, trust me, I will know. And let me just say to you right now, Mobili and I, the Fourth Estate, right here on the Sunday Forum, say to all of you, keep on keeping on with this black history. I'm not talking about just American history. I'm talking about African history, diasporic history. Please keep on doing what you're doing. And for all those other cultures that are out there, you keep on studying your cultural history and you push it. You understand? Don't let this governor stop you. Don't do it. He can't stop nothing. No, absolutely. You go into your synagogues, your churches, your mosques, and everything else, and your libraries, and you study and you inform and you work together with the other cultures in order to make certain that we have an understanding of each other, of ourselves and of our and each other. Hey, this this is what it's all about, really. This is what it's all about. Um, hey, let's 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 do. We're gonna talk about bricks. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about bricks because before, before we get get too far into bricks. Bricks, B-R-I-C, B-R-I-C-S. B-R-I-C-S, not B-R-I-X as it was originally, <laughs> right? This, but, and it, but it was the same basic thing, right? Creating a currency based off of these particular, uh, this coalition of countries. Uh, what sparked it? Well, this this thing, this as I say before, this uh, zeitgeist <laughs> that, that is now... Uh, trying to uh, form that is forming actually between Russia. Uh, well, let's, let's see who do we have. There's Russia. There's India. There is Saudi Arabia. There is South Africa. Um, who am I missing? Well, actually, I don't think Saudi is actually in that. It's uh, Saudi Arabia, of course, is one of the OPEC nations, oil producing countries. But right. in BRICS, it's just Brazil, Russia, India, Brazil, Brazil, China, Russia. Yes. and South Africa. There we go. There we go. Thank you very much. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but Saudi, Saudi is they're, they're, they're talking. They're yeah. talking, and, yeah. and 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 they're looking, and if 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 involved. You're looking at the major backer, even bigger than Russia. Right. Saudi wants to be in in control, so it's not going to join any kind of economic union. But uh, the question about BRICS is, is it just an economic union or is it a political union? Because, you know, Goldman Sachs is what coined the term, which is uh, investment banker. And, you know, it collapsed as well in the the 2007 financial crisis, it started to have its own problems. And so, you know, the Obama administration had to start to break up the banks, you know, in terms of delineating between investment banks and commercial banks. So, because they were just getting too big and we couldn't keep bailing out these big old monstrosities. And and we were dragging other countries down with us. Right. Other countries were being drawn down was because we made the dollar was the was the stamp was the so called gold standard, despite the fact that we were no longer using gold as the standard. Right, but right? it was still the reserve currency mm-hmm. of the world. And um these countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa now, uh, were, you know, basically totalitarian in you know, in their politics. You know, you have Modi in India, <laughs> and of course you have Putin in, in Russia, and you had Putin, yeah, Putin, 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 and you had Bolsonaro in Brazil, and of course she in China, and um, 
When you turn to South Africa, you know, South Africa has Listen, got problems post-apartheid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how they got into this right here, except for the fact that they have resources. And, of course, you can't do anything like this without an African nation, right? Right. Now. With the gold. Without the, with the gold and diamonds, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, here's, but here's, check this out. South Africa has three economies. Three. The South African economy, the Dutch and still have British, right? So those are three economies that they still they still exist within South Africa. Now, so it mean the whites still have a stranglehold over South Africa? They still have a stranglehold over South Africa. Now, it is beginning to pull away from those other two economies to have its own, which has made it stronger, right? However, one of the biggest things that, that, that we're seeing amongst African nations, if you watch Julius Malema, right, and what he's been saying and what other countries are saying, like Kenya, for instance. Uh, you look at Kenya, you know, they're warning about the American dollar in Africa or any other country for that matter. But in Africa specifically, you see Nigeria talking about it and been talking about this for years of the African Union. And you talk about these countries within within the continent of Africa of the 54 or so, can I say 54 or so, because there's always some sort of <laughs> coup mm-hmm. going on that, that's independent, that, that causes right. somebody to be independent or something, right? But of, the, of these nations that are, that are on the continent, uh, the, the idea of, of what, say, Muammar Gaddafi was trying to put together along, it was, it's been going on for years. Kwame Nkrumah, Muammar, Muammar Gaddafi, Gamal uh, Abdel Nasser, uh, we're trying to put together was an, a, a united Africa. Yeah, that should be an African economic bloc. Right. Especially Sub-Saharan Africa as opposed to South Africa trying to organize with these other blocks, these other countries into a bloc. Right, right. When Africa itself needs economic de- development and economic power mm-hmm. to protect those economies, especially building up out of apartheid and out of the other uh Colonial situations. So, 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 look at this. Watch the watch the dynamics of this entire thing. The difficulty that we that 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 we face when we look at African nations is number one. Uh, let's let's look on the continent first before we look at the diaspora and its impact. On the continent, you have countries that are that are still very much in a neo-colonial situation very much in a neo-colonial situation. It would take other countries within the, within the continent to actually come to the rescue of those that are in the colonial uh, chokehold, right? To get them out of there, to run them away and out of those countries. With the danger, with the danger, uh, then there is a danger that goes along with that. With the danger, not of some war, Right with those colonial powers because they they wouldn't stand a chance. Right. They just wouldn't. Uh, who wants to go in there and just blow up, you know, <laughs> infrastructure right. for that? Right? They're not. They're not going to do that. That, that. That's that's crazy. But what what would happen is uh, a a a setback, a minor setback. I say minor because if you're looking at unification, there would have to be another country that would come in and support. That country's that country's infrastructure, right? Another African nation, preferably, right? Not talking about taking it over, but just giving support. Right. Again, let, let's so, so now let's look at where the diaspora comes in. The diaspora is looking at it, and we say, okay, what can we do to assist? Not take. We're not talking about taking resources. We're not talking about. Call that, no, 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 because we can't, we can't do that. We're, we're not in that position to go and colonize like that. That's that's impossible, right? But to go in as as members of the diaspora, right, and support in blocks, in groups, in order to support in different areas, right, engineering, right. medical, and so forth. Keep in mind, they have their own doctors. You have. You have an extraordinary number of Nigerian doctors, for instance, that are here in the States or in England, but never went back to Nigeria, right? And so, therefore, we have this brain drain, which is something that my father, my father worked tirelessly against the brain drain and the educational drain 
of people that went in. He actually he actually took people, brought them to FAMU, for instance, and to other HBCUs, and and sent them back to Africa in order to work in their own countries and to keep articulation between those countries' universities and polytechnics with our HBCUs, right? To strengthen yeah. that 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 transatlantic uh, That's something my dad spent his entire career doing. Yeah, that right? was very worthwhile work. Absolutely, absolutely. But it was something that that very few people had the presence of thought to do, right? It was just mm. too difficult, but you had to see it. But But this is something that we have to do as a diaspora, number one, and something that, that, that has to be done on the continent of Africa uh, within, within the, the, the African, I say block, because it must become a block. If you did that, then that means that you're talking about very powerful economies, an extraordinarily powerful economy that could very easily happen and, and surpass any European nation. Without question, without question, and so uh, that is the uh, that that is the the fear, right? There's this fear that this would happen. I mean, wow! Like Public Enemy, Public Enemy's uh, album, "Fear of a Black Planet." I mean, th- there's a fear that this is going to happen. Yeah, you know, and but so so that means that we can ill afford. This is why I don't believe in bricks. We can ill afford to have a South Africa to do that. And South Africa, truthfully, can ill afford to do this because what will happen is they'll come in just like China has come in on the continent and begin colonizing again. Right. And I think, you know, look at the uh, rolling blackouts in South Africa. You know, apparently they are attracted to South Africa because they think that it's vulnerable, especially in its energy development. And these are oil-producing countries who want to make money Absolutely. off their oil. Absolutely. And uh, I think they see a weakling in South Africa. Absolutely. Absolutely. And certainly a country with three with three economies that can't get it together, you know, is doing it. None of the other countries have that. Not, not one. Of all the BRICS countries, uh, the, one, the ones involved in BRICS, not, South Africa is the only one that has three economies. The mm-hmm. only one. Right. And, and, and it's also the only African nation. Right. It's also the only African nation. Keep that in mind. And, and, and they, they keep targeting it because, I mean, now Nigeria is a huge African economy and it's part of something called the Mint, mm-hmm. which includes Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria, and Turkey. And uh, it's an acronym that refers to a group of countries with the potential to realize rapid economic growth. Uh, but South Africa is also in another block called the Civets, Colombia, Colombia, Indonesia, Vietnam, Egypt, Turkey, and South Africa. Again, an investment acronym, which seen as rising emerging markets, and that was in the late 2000s. But of course, we were talking about BRICS, and so India and China were supposed to be the big dominant world's supplier of manufacturing manufactured goods, while Brazil and Russia will become dominant as suppliers of raw materials, which of course Russia wants everybody to buy its fossil fuels. Right. And right. so what role and, and, does South Africa move away from it? But we gotta exactly. move away from it. Which is again why BRICS is really never really it's gonna get off the ground in the first place. And again, it was really just something that the capitalists coined and uh, trying to recognize this potential uh, competition. You know, the capitalists talk about competition, but they really don't like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's well, you know, and, and you can't talk about BRICS again without talking about all those other those other organizations that are that, that are cre- that, that you just mentioned just a moment ago. Yeah, you can't do that because guess what? You're ignoring then. You're ignoring the fact that number one, South Africa is involved in more than one. Right. Number one, more than one. (laughs) So which one are you going to do? Right. Right. And and, and which one's going to be in your best interest? Number one. Number two, South Africa still has to get it together in terms of in terms of being in terms of how much the rand is going to cost. Right. Is going to be on, on the on the global market. Uh, Mexico is is 
a powerhouse but hasn't quite realized it yet right because they have to they have to get rid of the colonial powers that are still ravaging it historically for instance with the with the removal of of uh, agricultural lands and the replacement of agricultural lands with now maquiladores and factories that are making cars or or the other types of machinery uh, then what what happens is now the natural resource that would typically be be exported, creating re, ex, uh, exports, uh, now has been destroyed. So there are some environmental issues that now Mexico has to deal with. Again, dealing with their use of fossil fuels, they 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 now are forced into the use of fossil fuels. Why? Because of some dependence on it. When before. It didn't cost you any fossil fuels to do agriculture, did it? No. No, but now it is. And now people are going to maquiladores in those factories and going there for jobs, which is, which, you know, again, when I was in D.C., that was one of the issues that we had to discuss in the conferences um, as, we're, as we're dealing with the lobbying efforts to stop the particulate matter issues and the environmental issues that are impacting the people of Texas and in and in Mexico, so when, when we talk about these issues, there's a, there's a much broader discussion that needs to be had, and and it cannot you cannot ignore the environmental impacts that go along with the the monetary thing because the environmental impacts uh, the the monetary part is based off environmental issues, right? It's based on it at its core, and you cannot ignore it. Now. Let's take that same concept and let's look at how it's impacting the folks here on the mainland. It must say mainland, I'm sorry, in the United States, excuse mm-hmm. me. In the United States, right? Black folks in the United States are are going to are facing a major issue, right? Okay, because this is gonna impact us. The inflation part is gonna impact us a great deal. Yeah, because that's first. That's yeah, <laughs> big time. Uh, th- think about what's what's going to happen uh, with regard to energy, the energy sector, right? What does it mean for us? It means that sooner or less, probably, I mean, if, if we don't if we don't get these energy sectors to go ahead and go into solar now, predominantly into solar or some alternative clean energy right now, we're going to see a heavy use of fossil fuels. And the reason we're going to see a heavy use of fossil fuels is because it's because it's while while it's cheaper from one perspective right now, what we're also going to see is what it's going to cost to transport if we don't start production of these things domestically, which is, which falls right in line with what the right is saying. The right is saying we've got to increase our our homeland production, right? Um, the and and I mean well. Hell, we're all saying we got to increase our, our home, which I agree with. We, we do have to deal with our homeland production, right? But the problem is what are we producing, right? How are we producing it and what are we producing? You know, I, again, you're talking to somebody who disagrees with this extraordinary use of fossil fuels. We can't, we can't keep doing it, especially when it comes to energy. We cannot continue to do this. Well, you know, I've been hearing a lot lately of hydroelectric power, which right. is one of the oldest and largest sources of renewable energy. Why have the world been so slow? And moving with that, right? Yeah. Because of money. Because of money. Don't want to give up the fossil fuel. Don't want to give it's like, it's like it's like it's like a drug, baby. Like like mm-hmm. uh what did say Rick J just say cocaine is a hell of a drug. Let me tell you, I'm telling you, man, that 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 coal is a hell of a drug, a hell of a daggone fuel. <laughs> they they want to use it, they want to keep using it. It's cheap, right? It's basically cheap, but it's the transport, the transport that's expensive, right? right. Okay, so if so, they rather they rather go with the cheap alternative, right, which is the coal, and and pay the transport fees than they would to just stop altogether and just use solar. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it, but then watch this. We, who ends up paying for it though? 
Well, when you talk about coal, you, the workers are paying for it. You know, that right. black lung disease, number one. Right. They're the worst right. affected. Right, exactly. It, it, but do they care? No. And we end up in a nation that's, that's stuck on this thing, and, and yet we're criticizing everybody else. Now, and, 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 and uh, you know, India, uh, Mexico, uh, all these other countries are using this stuff, and 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 it's it's killing the people that's there. Mm-hmm. Now, the the somebody I was I was giving the lecture at Stetson right, and uh, <laughs> at the the biodiversity lecture, and I was dealing with the issue of coal ash. Right, coal ash is a nasty, nasty thing. Mm. It's nasty, and and there's nothing good about it. Right. People talk about, so, well, you know, you can use it on a farm in order to change the pH of soil. Yeah, but at what cost? Hmm. Right? You're poisoning yourself right. in, in the midst of this, right? Okay, so watch this. Uh, even Dave Gonzalez just said, oh, thank you, Dave, for coming in. He's pointing out um, uh, what's the answer. You know, he, he's saying solar is the answer. Nuclear energy, right? So I'm standing there, and a guy says to me, one of the questions that comes up in the lecture is, well, Mr. Smith, what do you think about nuclear energy? I said, absolutely not. I am 100% unalterably opposed to the use of nuclear energy as a form of clean, air quotes, clean energy. I disagree with it. And the reason I disagree with it is because it Florida can ill afford to have mistakes. There's, there's no mistake with nuclear energy that we can have at all. We are a delicate ecosystem that cannot have that kind of mistake, and it will happen. There will be a mistake if we put nuclear energy over here. We can't have that happen. You go to South Carolina, where Westinghouse had a nuclear plant right there in northeast South Carolina. and not north, I'm sorry, northeast Columbia. Right? You look up the article, it tells you what happened. There was a nuclear fire. Do you understand me? A fire. And it killed some people. People got sick, and only those people in the northeast side of town, black folks, got sick. You yeah. understand me? Then Westinghouse goes out, and they start. They go to the legislature, in the state legislature, which is right there based in Columbia, and they said, hey, we want to we wanna extend our land lease. What? Extend your land lease? <laughs> How about we shut you down till you get this one cleaned up, mm-hmm. Right. Remediate this water problem you just you just made in these streams that you just made, right? Now, how about that? No, not only did they give them the doggone lease, but they also watch this also gave them more land. Mm-hmm. At whose expense? Money, <laughs> exactly. At whose expense? Listen, man, this is this is this is the the house of cards, baby. <laughs> this is the house. If right. ever you watched that, that TV show, House of Cards, I suggest you watch it. I'm telling you, policies go. I mean, forget it, man. I mean, the, the policies are there, and 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 they, these guys have it on paper, and they're not playing games. They're not playing games, and we got to get to the point that we understand how this game is played. They clearly, got to do something. I mean, but again, at the end of last year, we were talking about the difference between nuclear fission and nuclear fusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a worthwhile discussion so that people can have some clear understanding as to what it is we're, we're talking about. And, you know, fusion is too light atomic nuclear combine and release energy, while fission is the process of splitting too heavy, unstable atomic nuclei into too lighter nuclear. That's not worth it. Right, you know? absolutely not. Nuclear f- Fission out, Absolutely but fusion not. will continue to to learn about and talk about it since that's that's new, and it's it's not creating this uh, this uh, heavy material. It's just creating clean energy. Absolutely, so absolutely, and, it's and, worth and, talking about. Yeah, it is, it is. But we ha- we cannot have it here in Florida. We can I, I, I'm I personally am opposed to it. Absolutely opposed to it as a scientist. And as a historian, I can tell you it's bad business. It's bad, bad, bad. Um, a shout out to Eric Duke. Dr. Eric Duke, how you doing, brother? Um, Richard Moore over in, in the motherland, Nigeria. He's one of our guests uh, here on the show earlier last year uh, when he moved from Orlando to Nigeria. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not Nigeria. I'm sorry, to Ghana. To, to Ghana, Accra, right. To Accra. Uh, 
he's a fam Ewan. He's a fam Ewan. He's joined the, the ranks of a lot of good folks that are over there. Uh, we have a businessman here locally uh, who is who is uh, who's gone over there and come back and going back over there again. He's opened up a school, a barbering school. Bill Wooger, uh, shout out to Bill, Big Bill Wooger out, out of Detroit, Michigan, that moved down here and opened up Bee Snip Barbershop, and it is it is over in Temple Terrace and over here in the in one of the retail shops right here at the Encore Development. So he's he's doing well. He's doing well. So shout out to that. But that's a perfect yeah. example of what has to happen actually right now is we have to start diversifying what we're doing in terms of investments in order to make sure that we are preparing for whatever's coming economically. Right. We've got to diversify investments and start doing it now. Definitely. Uh, this thing of, of putting your money in the cars and all that sort of stuff, hey, man, listen, get land. I say land. Get you some land. <laughs> Get well, some land now. Get I it know. now. We got five minutes left. Do you want to take this one last call? Let's take this call. Quickly go to the call because we got to play some more music, man, for these folks to listen to, to get up on this Easter Sunday. Hey, how go you ahead. doing? Welcome to the Sunday Forum. Hey, I'm glad to be back. Hey, man, how you doing, brother? Where you been? Yeah. All right. I was in the DR for a minute looking at some stuff while y'all was talking about it. Hey, look, 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 look. He talking about he was in the DR looking at some stuff. While we were talking yeah, about it, yeah, yeah. you were doing yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, they got they got they got cheap properties over there. They got some uh, wind tur- turbines on that post, and they already start implementing it. Mm-hmm. And they don't have all the booty stuff over here. We got to deal with for one thing. You just have to stop doing Spanish a lot. And uh, well, that's not hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm saying. Uh, one thing I just wanted to call about was that we have a nuclear uh, power plant in Crystal River already. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that. Nuclear yeah. fission power plant? I don't know which one. Either one. Either because one, I don't think they're the doing table. fusion yet. Yeah. It's off the table. We got. We can use the wind turbines. I just saw them working, operating. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so they can do that. They're just greedy, man, about the oil business. Yeah, yeah man. They want to burn up the oil. They want to burn up the gas, burn up the oil like it ain't nothing, and burning us up like it ain't nothing. So I just say, wow. <laughs> I'm not happy about that, about that Crystal River thing. I never have been. And That's just pollution stuff, Walt. There's none of it. There. Other little countries or little islands, places have they problems, but a lot of it ain't like the ones we got. And uh, they're terrible yeah. because all the, you can tell from the sea life, the food, everything, and the way they live that the stressors just ain't what we got over here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, just wanted to tell you that little bit of information about the Crystal River. So they already put it in, they already put the nuclear all around us, all around. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They've been using the old form of nuclear for certain. Yeah. yeah even in Florida. Yeah, Florida should have been off the cold. We should have been like California the first with the solar. Mm-hmm. And stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Hey, man. We're working on it. We're working hey. on it. You, know, you be cool, man. You do likewise. I have to be. I ain't got no choice. There you go. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Happy thank you, brother. Happy Easter to you, man. Be safe, all right? All right, thank you. All right, all right. Hey, man. We're wrapping it up. Yeah. Another show. Yeah. Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. That's right. Easter Sunday. Hey, folks, listen, I want to thank you, each and every one of you, for coming here and joining us here this beautiful Easter Sunday. Please be safe. Love on one another. No violence. Love. Hey, man. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunday Forum on WMNF 88.5, Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. This is Walter L. Smith II, the voice of the Tampa Bay area, along with the members of the 4th Estate crew. And we've enjoyed the day with you. And as always, from my voice to the radio waves, to the hearts and the minds of the people, we love you. And there's not anything that you can do about it here on the Sunday Forum. Happy Easter. Peace to you. Keep it tuned right after the news. The post-Martin Hootenanny is coming your way. This is WMNF Tampa.
You're listening to WMNF Tampa, music and news.